Our scripture lesson this evening is taken from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 7, page 1,345, 1,345 in the Pew Bible. Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 17 and reading through the end of the chapter. This I say, therefore, and testify that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of that is in them, because of the hardening of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to licentiousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him, and have been taught by him, the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct and which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. Therefore, lying, he speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who is, has need. Let no corruption proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. God in Christ also forgave you. As far as the reading of God's Word, may He add His blessing to it. In conjunction with it, I'd like to read to you from the Heidelberg Catechism, day 43 on page 893 in the the, um, Trinity Psalter Hymnal, 893, Lord's Day 43, concerning the Ninth Commandment. What is God's will for you in the Ninth Commandment? That I never give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone rashly or without a hearing. Rather, I should avoid, under penalty of God's wrath, every kind of lying and deceit as the very works of the devil. And in court and everywhere else, I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it. And I should do what I can to defend and advance neighbor's honor and reputation. Beloved of the Lord, we have been considering together the Ten Commandments, and the last several commandments, the Sixth Commandment, the Seventh, and the Eighth, are simply stated in the Scripture, you shall not do this. You shall not uh, uh, murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. But 
This commandment comes with an additional statement. It's not just you shall not lie, but or you shall not bear false witness, period, but you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. There is this emphasis on uh, the community in which we live and the need to speak truth to the community. It comes through in other passages as well. For example, in Leviticus 19.11, we read a couple of the commandments, uh, concluding with the ninth commandment, and it says, You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. If it were like the other commandments, it would simply say, You shall not lie, period. But it says, You shall not lie to one another. Uh, Colossians 3, verse 9, Do not lie to one another. And again, from the text that we read in Ephesians 4, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth. Period? No, not period. Let it speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We might wonder, why does God deal with truth-telling in the context of our relationship with those around us? Well, it's not because it's okay to lie to strangers. That's not the point. Uh, and that's not uh, uh, true at all. Uh, rather, it's because God is not just saving individuals and taking them to heaven to be with Him. He's saving a new humanity who will all live together with Him in a city that will fill the earth. God is building new community, and that community is to live together in love as family. Community is not possible without trust. Trust cannot exist in the context of lies. Think about husband and wife living together in love. One discovers that the other is lying, lying about something. And it may be only a little thing, but still lying. And all of a sudden, the whole relationship changes when, when one spouse discovers that the other one has been lying. It, it just changes everything. It, the, the foundations of the relationship are shaken like an earthquake. And, and you wonder whether the relationship can go on. Well, if that's true in, in a marriage, it's also true in, in a family. And, and we are a family. We are a family. You know, sometimes the elders have trouble visiting members of the congregation and uh, the report comes back, well, you know, uh, they, uh, they just are, are private people. They, uh, they keep to themselves. And, uh, and so uh, we just have to kind of respect that. Well, there may be good reasons why uh, people are shy and uh, retiring, but we can't just ignore one another and, and close our lives to one another. We are brothers and sisters in Christ called to live together as a family, as a community. And in order for that community to thrive, we need truth. We need to speak the truth to one another. We must not lie to one another, for we are members one of another. So this is a very important commandment for the life of the church, for the life of God's People. And as we deal with this commandment, I want to uh, emphasize three things. And my outline that I submitted uh, two weeks ago to the bulletin has uh, undergone a, a slight modification. Instead of two points, I have uh, three. Uh, one is uh, the first point is to 
warn you about the power of lies than to encourage you by the fact that we have been redeemed from the power of the lie. And then thirdly, we have been called to live in community of the truth. First of all, I want to warn you concerning the power of lies. And the power of lies is a deadly power. Uh, It is uh, the power to put people to death. I started to talk about this a little bit this morning from John 8:44, and as soon as I opened my mouth, I said, "No, don't talk about that now. That say that for tonight." And uh, I tried to quickly move on to something else. But uh, now I do want to emphasize John 8:44, uh, where uh, Jesus says uh, concerning the devil, "He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth." Notice how Jesus, in one sentence, talks about a murderer who has nothing to do with the truth. Those two things go together. Uh, because there, there is no truth in him, he says. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And the reason lying and, and murder go together is because Satan used a lie to bring death into the world. He lied to uh, Adam and Eve. He lied twice. Uh, first of all, he uh, lied about God when he said, uh, when he asked the question, did God say that you may not eat from any tree in the garden? You know, he's trying to make God a, a killjoy who doesn't allow people to have any fun, like uh, a father who takes his son into a toy store and lets the son look at the toys and then says, now you can't have any of them. Well, why did you take him into the toy store if you're not going to let him have any of them, you know? Uh, some people, Satan wants you to believe that God is like that, that, that God is, is a killjoy and that God doesn't want you to have any fun, that you can't eat from any tree in the garden. Well, Satan knows full well that that's not what God said, but he, he wants to put that thought, that lying thought in the hearts of us so that we begin to doubt the goodness of God. And, and that's what happened in the beginning. And then, of course, he uh, outright contradicted God when he said, you will not die. And uh, that was a lie also. And because Adam and Eve believed the lies of Satan, they sinned. And because they sinned, the penalty of sin was implemented. Death came into the world. Death has come through uh, the lies of Satan. Satan used them to bring about our death. He's a murderer and he murders through lies. Jezebel put Naboth to death by the power of lies. And Satan continues to spread lies designed to to bring about your death and the death of many others. Think about the lie that that, uh, a, uh, a human being in the womb is just a mass of tissue. Not a baby, not a human being, but the world says it's just a mass of tissue and it's no great deal to get rid of that mass of tissue. Well, that lie has killed millions upon millions of unborn babies. The uh, television and movies and videos have been uh, portraying for years all kinds of lies to get you to accept sin as normal. Uh, In the uh, early 60s and 70s, there were situation comedies on television that uh, showed uh, children rebelling against their parents, and uh, every act of rebellion was uh, followed by a laugh line where uh, it was a joke, and uh, the children ruled the roosts, and 
Fathers were made to look like nincompoops and, and uh, preachers were made to look like hypocrites in every uh, Hollywood uh, production. Uh, recently, World Magazine, a, a Christian news magazine, did a movie review on three new movies, horror movies, that uh, Netflix has put out and has warned people, don't watch them. They're bad movies. And uh, the movie has a, a familiar theme. There's good and there's evil, and goodness uh, overcomes evil by the power of love. Doesn't sound so bad until you look at the details and find out that uh, the, the evil in the film is Christianity, particularly uh, Puritan uh, New England Christianity is the evil. And uh, Satan is depicted as someone good. And the love that conquers evil is uh, the distorted sexual love of a lesbian couple. Uh, So, you know, everything is backwards. Uh, That which is evil is called good, and that which is called good is evil. And that's the way it's been going in in our society, in in entertainment media, all kinds of things like divorce and uh, uh, rebellion and and everything. They're constantly being depicted as, as good and normal and and something that we shouldn't be afraid of. Well, Satan's lies are resulting in a lot of death uh, because of that. It's destroying lives. Uh, And, of course, Satan tries to get you and me to lie, and he is often successful. How many of us haven't uh, made a mistake? Maybe you made a mistake at work. And uh, you didn't want the boss to know about it. And so you uh, tried to uh, cover it up so that it wouldn't be found out. Or you uh, uh, maybe uh, said something that you were ashamed of and were confronted with it and said, no, no, I didn't, uh, I didn't say that, uh, when you know full well that you, you did say that. Well, God hates lies and He punishes liars. Ahab and Jezebel came to a bloody end because of their lies. Ananias and Sapphira, who lied to the apostles and lied to to God and to the Holy Spirit, were met with swift justice. And uh, apart from the grace of God, we too all would uh, be put to death for our our lies. But God has redeemed us from the power of lies. Jesus came under the power of Satan's lives when he, uh, many false witnesses testified against him at his trial. He was put to death because of those lies, but he didn't stay dead. The power of Satan's lies could not hold him in the grave. He rose victoriously over death and over the lies that killed him. By his death and resurrection, he has saved you from your lies He paid for your lies, all your word twisting, all your little white lies, which are neither little nor white in God's eyes. And he gives his spirit so that the same power that raised him from the dead now lives in you and enables you to break free from the power of lies in your life. When he comes again, he will vindicate you before the world and all the world's lies about Christians will be shown to be false and we will be seen as the true children of God. Because he has saved us from the power of lies, we are called to uh, live new lives 
to live lives of, uh, uh, of truth, to live in a community of truth. Now, lying takes many forms. The commandment says you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And the particular focus of that commandment is giving testimony in a court of law where justice is dependent upon uh, at least two witnesses coming forth to confirm that they are eyewitnesses of the crime in question and uh, have uh, uh, first-hand knowledge of the event and the guilt of the one who has been accused. If you, uh, under Mosaic law, if a person gives false testimony in a court of law, in a trial, in an investigation, uh, before the elders of the community or whatever, then uh, the punishment that would have fallen on the accused, had he truly been guilty, is to uh, be given to uh, the, the person who lies. Because uh, you're trying to, to bring something on someone that they don't deserve, and because you do that when you lie in, in under testimony, under oath, uh, the punishment should fall on you if uh, you are discovered to have told that lie. But uh, it uh, is not uh, limited to testimony in a court of law. As uh, the Apostle says, uh, therefore putting away lying, each one speak truth to his neighbor. We are members of one another. He's describing our life together in the church. We're all to uh, encourage one another by speaking the truth in love, saying that which is for the edification and building others up. Not uh, everything that is true is, uh, needs to be said. Uh, there are lots of things that, uh, that are true that ought to be forgotten because they have been forgiven and ought not to be brought up again. Uh, bringing up uh, someone's past sins about which they have repented and so forth is uh, destroying their reputation. And uh, the Catechism reminds us that we, are, we should do what we can to advance, defend and advance my neighbor's honor and reputation. And if he is a repentant sinner then, and has repented of uh, certain sins, then don't bring them up anymore. Uh, advance his good name as uh, a repentant sinner and uh, show forth uh, the good that he is doing. Uh, one of the ways in which we often violate this commandment is uh, assuming we know why people do things when we really don't know. Uh, and uh, someone uh, fails at a certain duty. Say the duty of uh, coming to church. You know, the, the elders call you to church and we have promised when we made profession of faith to, to heed the elders. And so we're under obligation. We've given a vow that, that we'll listen to the elders. So they call us to come to a worship service. We're supposed to come. And, and then people don't show up. And we say, oh, isn't it a shame? They, these people, they must not be true Christians. You know, we, just, we assume that because they don't show up, they must not be true Christians. Well, it could be that... You know, they're flat on their back with so much pain that they can't get out of bed. And uh, 
if you would only take the time to call them and say, we missed you. Uh, how are you doing? Is, uh, is there a problem? You'd find out the truth and, and then you'd be equipped to pray for them and for their healing so that they can be up and about again and be able to, to come to church. Or uh, maybe they're not in church because they're in church uh, in another state uh, far away because they're visiting family or they're on vacation and whatnot. And you don't know that, but you don't see them and so you assume the worst. Well, assuming the worst is sinning against your brother and sister in Christ. We are under obligation before God to always assume the best. Always assume the best that, uh, about people. And uh, if you're going to imagine something, don't imagine something bad. Imagine something good. But better yet, uh, speak to one another and uh, find out what's going on in one another's lives. Uh, you would do it if it was your children. You would do it if it was your brother and sister. Well, we are all brothers and sisters and fathers and children uh, in the family of God. And therefore, we belong to one another. We are members one of another. And therefore, we ought to easily communicate with each other and not assume the worst, but instead assume the best. Uh, We must always uh, speak up in defense of uh, people when they are slandered. You know, when uh, uh, the apostles on Pentecost, the first Pentecost, began uh, speaking in other tongues, the, uh, the crowd thought, oh, they're drunk. You know, they've been, they've been drinking and they're, they're incoherent and that's why uh, they're acting the way they are. And uh, Peter got up and defended their honor and said, it's only the ninth hour. These people aren't drinking. But this is, this is what Joel the prophet spoke about. This is the outpouring of the Spirit and so forth. And he, he defended their honor when King Saul uh, missed David at a, a feast day. He assumed that David was in rebellion against him. But Saul's son Jonathan, no, 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 that's not the case. And and, and Jonathan spoke up in defense of his friend David. He defended his honor. And so we too, if a fellow Christian is maligned or uh, uh, spoken ill of, we need to come to their defense. Uh, there was a school teacher uh, in an eastern uh, school district recently who uh, came under great criticism for not using the pronouns that a student wanted to uh, have used with respect uh, to himself or herself. Uh, They wanted uh, maybe plural pronouns or pronouns of a gender different than the gender with which they were born. And the the Christian teacher couldn't bring himself to use these inappropriate pronouns. And uh, he was called before the uh, school board And there was a a big uh, meeting and a big hubbub. And that teacher's church uh, members and pastors showed up in force at that meeting and, and, and rallied behind him and stood with him and defended his honor as uh, a good man and an upright man, a righteous and a holy man. And, and it was a a wonderful thing to, to see and to behold. Uh, I heard a news report about it. I didn't see it uh, firsthand, but I heard a news report it uh, through uh, World News. And uh, it, it was very encouraging to see how a church would come together around one of its members that was being maligned and uh, spoken ill of in the community, but uh, who didn't deserve that. So we too need to uh, come to one another's defense. 
uh, what if you're slandered? What if somebody slanders you? What should you do? Well, there the, the situation is a little different. We, we all ought to come to our brother and sister's defense, but with regard to ourselves, uh, the Bible tells us that we should entrust ourselves to him who judges justly. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, we're told that when Jesus was reviled, he opened not his mouth. And Peter tells us he was giving us an example of how we ought to respond when we are reviled. Uh, let, it, uh, let it fall on you and uh, let others come to your defense. Uh, we ought to pray that when we are viciously maligned, when you or I are viciously maligned, that pray to God that God would use that for our sanctification. There's an example of that in the Scriptures when David, King David, was fleeing his son Absalom, uh, a man of the tribe of Benjamin named Shimei, uh, came alongside David, a little bit distant, so he didn't want to get too close, but he threw uh, uh, rocks and dirt at David and then cursed David, uh, blaming David for the demise of Saul's family, something which... David was totally innocent of. David had had a couple of opportunities where he could have killed Saul and and both times he spared Saul's life. And and when he discovered that a man had actually uh, murdered Saul, he ordered that that man be put to death for murdering King Saul. He was one who had defended Saul's life and who grievously mourned the death of Saul and Jonathan, his friend. Uh, But Shimei blamed David for that. And uh, David didn't defend himself. And he even stopped others from defending him because he, he wanted uh, to be humbled on that occasion. He knew that, that the rebellion in his own house was the result of his sin and, and therefore he uh, was praying that uh, this would uh, humble him and sanctify him and make him a more godly person. And, and uh, God allows us to go through experiences like that for our sanctification, and therefore we too must learn to bless those who curse us and pray for those who despitefully use us and and let a clear conscience enable you to make sanctified use of false accusations. Well, this is what God wants of us, to to speak the truth to one another, to uh, defend one another's honor, Uh, to uh, not defend our own honor, but humble ourselves uh, under God's uh, uh, mighty hand because we know in due time we will be vindicated. Uh, uh, Any lies that are said about you will be shown to be lies on the judgment day. If they aren't set right now uh, by those who come to your defense, God will set them right on the judgment day. In the epistle of James, in James chapter 3, verse 2, It teaches that our ability to control our tongues is a measure of our whole sanctification. You know, if you you want to know how sanctified are you, uh, don't look at your church attendance. Don't look at how uh, uh, joyfully you sing the the psalms and the hymns in church. Uh, Don't look at uh, whether you uh, read the Bible every day or pray every day. But 
all of those are measures of your sanctification to be sure, but the real measure where the rubber meets the road is is whether you can control your tongue. Whether you uh, get some juicy bit of gossip and just can't wait to to tell it to somebody so that that person looks bad because when they look bad, you look better. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's the, the joy of gossip is that uh, uh, we can condemn others and in condemning others make ourselves look better and instead of uh, attempting to advance our neighbor's good name and, and humble ourselves before others. Uh, the use of your tongue, that is the measure of your sanctification. Well, how are you doing? Well, uh, I don't think any of us are doing as well as we ought to do. In fact, we fall short often. But Christ died to pay for our misuse of the tongue. For your misuse, for my misuse, Christ died to pay for that. And He gives us His Spirit to enable us to live lives that uh, speak the truth So let us pray that we may be indeed people of the truth and be the pillar and foundation of the truth, that this church and all our sister churches may indeed be the pillar and foundation of the truth by proclaiming the truth and by being a community of truth that does not lie to one another. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for this commandment, this commandment that is hard, hard to obey. Indeed, we have fallen short of the mark so often. But we thank You for Jesus Christ who has redeemed us from the deadly power of lies. And we thank You that by His strength we can learn more and more to speak the truth to our neighbor and build one another up in love. We pray, O Father, that we may be such a family. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.